When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Player Profiler! It's 10 a.m. Feeling great. First ever hosting of Wake and Take. I can't believe Wake and Take's been on this long. Jason Allwine doing a terrific job. The guy's a star. He's been uh, the guy behind our Instagram, now the guy behind our TikTok and Twitter. His role is just growing, but... One thing you can always rely on is Jason Allwine will bring it to you, wake and take, 10 a.m., lot to talk about today. We got some some injury news. It's come out that Terry McLaurin's injury is not as serious as thought. If you watch the injury happen, it looked like a high ankle sprain in real time. Turned out it was a, it was a toe sprain. We ended up getting twisted underneath all the legs and, and, and body parts there. Uh, in that pileup was actually his toe. And then they're thinking, oh, well, maybe this guy's going to be ready for week one. He's not going to be ready for week one. Okay, so this is always the breaking news. We always have the wake and take is going to give you breaking news. <laughs> Tara McLaurin's not playing week one. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. Okay. So anytime a guy is questionable for week one or he's uh, has a chance to play, he has a chance to play, that's no chance to play, okay? that's no. There's no chance he's going to play in week one. But back week three, week four, much more likely, opens the door for Jahan Dotson, opens the door for Curtis Samuel, opens the door for D'Ami Brown. So now D'Ami Brown is a guy in these deep dynasty leagues we're stashing. Like, oh, who's the number four in the depth chart? Well, let's take a look. Oh, well, I guess it's D'Ami Brown. So this is the this is always the fun exercise, is to say, all right, well, uh, I appreciate Terry McLaurin. The guy's a stud. Uh, he's been uh, one of the most talented all-around wide receivers in the league. He can win in all the quadrants. And yet he's been, like DJ Moore, punished by the, the the worst quarterback play in the league, right? Arguably, it's like a debate. DJ Moore is like, well, you know, I had Baker Mayfield, and, and I had Sam Darnold, and I had P.J. Walker, and I had all these guys. And, and then Terry McLaurin's like, well, let me tell you about, you know, Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz at his worst. And, all, and so I, I get it. I get it. I feel bad for Scary Terry. Uh, he, I think, I think he is a phenomenal talent that will never, will never fully appreciate because he just won't be in the offense that that can fully unlock him. And if we, yeah, if we look at the depth chart now, so we'll pull up the depth chart. So a fun thing to do on Wake and Take is to share my screen. So now we'll share screen here, and there's the player profiler depth chart, and there he is at flanker, Deami Brown, and below him. See, this is interesting. I didn't know. This is why we do this exercise. There's Byron Pringle. There's Dax Milne. Marcus Kemp. 
Mitchell Tinsley, and Bryson Tremaine. Wish all these guys the best, but it's Demi Brown. Demi Brown's a, a third-round pick, right? So it's a day-two pick. That's uh, He was relatively productive at UNC. There were people that had him ranked as a top-five wide receiver coming out. Demi Brown stands in the, the film grinder community, in the uh, college football evaluation community, NFL draft, scouts, right? The scouts, the television scouts. A lot of them like Demi Brown, a lot. So there's some very bullish on him. He, has, he had one game. Where he had a, a couple targets, it took uh, two long passes, went over 100 yards. So he has had a splash performance in the league. So Demi Brown, interesting. But we're just going to see probably more Dotson, more Samuel, and and because of the law of the t- conservation of touches. Don't forget about the law of the conservation of touches because it also applies to you know running backs. There's likely going to be maybe a few more run plays called. Either way. More run plays called, more targets available. That helps Antonio Gibson. When, when you see an injury to Terry McLaurin, the first thing that comes to your mind is not the running back, but getting Antonio Gibson going early in the season is a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, so there, there is some, some silver linings here with that injury news. The silver lining with the uh, Devon A-Chain news uh, that he's going to miss a, at least a you know, few weeks is that this opens the door for Jonathan Taylor, right? Now, will the Dolphins agree to overpay for Jonathan Taylor? We we did the decision point yesterday, and Anand and I are skeptical. Like if I had to wager real money, I would say Jonathan Taylor is going to be a Colt because Miami is like, well, if the price is right, we'll talk if the price is right. Hey, Jonathan, what's your price? Well, my price is you know, $15 million a year plus... And then they're like, okay, well, well, let's talk to the Colts real quick. Hey, Colts, what, what's your price? Well, a first-round pick. He's a first-round talent. You know, B. John Robinson just went to top 10 pick in the NFL draft, so we'd want it. We want that level of compensation, so at least a first-rounder. Uh, they're like, okay, uh, that's interesting. So uh, probably not going to happen, right? But now, now that the Dolphins are clearly they're clearly JT curious, right? So when Miami becomes publicly JT curious, the probability of him ending up in Miami goes up. They do really now desperately need a running back. My guess is they're not enamored by what they've seen from Raheem Mostert this preseason in training camp. Raheem Mostert is 31 years old. So it's just, it's hard for me to, to see Miami looking at their, their running back room and not wanting to make a move. I think it's a better move to just go get Leonard Fournette. We talked about uh, Kareem Hunt on the deep end stream of the, of the deep end invitational draft that happened a couple nights ago. I ended up mistakenly drafting Kareem Hunt, and then Cody Carpenter thundered in and was like, hey, nobody wants this guy. He's been showing up out of shape at these workouts. That's why he's been leaving without contracts at places that need running backs. And so it's it probably not going to be Kareem Hunt this year. He may sign somewhere. He may not. But it's possible Kareem Hunt just ends up uh, being flushed out of the league. Whereas Leonard Fournette, yes, he could show up not in the best shape, right? He, I'm sure he's working his way into shape. At some point, mid-August, he decided, okay, I think it's time for me to start start doing some cardio and start getting my, my body ready for the NFL season. Maybe I'll, 
all sign week six, week seven. That would make sense. But we're, we're accustomed to this. We know this is what Leonard Fournette does. He gets his body ready late in the game. But he had this 4-4 speed to begin with, right? So he can, he ha- he can lose tenths of a second on his 40 time as he his strength and conditioning deteriorates and be okay. Kareem Hunt, not as much, right? Kareem Hunt already runs a 4-6. So at this point, Cody's like, but he runs a 4-8. Like, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. Kareem Hunt, unlikely to do anything this year. He was also super inefficient last year. So the decline was already uh, front and center last year, even more than Leonard Fournette with Kareem Hunt. So now Miami's choices are, are have w- really whittled down. Really bad timing for them with this Devon A-chain injury. And they want to win this year. You know, Mike McDaniel's now in his second year. Tua, the offensive line investments, the investment in Tyreek Hill. They've been trading picks. They've been forfeiting picks because of their top equity holder. Uh, you know, doing whatever, tampering, I, or, or or whatever. I can't remember. I can't keep track. I can't keep track. Was it was it bounties? Was it tampering? What? Well, I I don't remember. Was it uh, uh, Something with the coach uh, was it? Was the coach being incentivized to lose games on purpose? Was that the one? I can't remember. There's so many. There's been, especially in Miami, there's been so many going all the way back to you know coaches being fired for doing cocaine on their desk. That's the thing that happened in Miami. Look it up. I can't keep track, but they're all the way in now, right? They're all the way in. They're like, hey, we're we're we might as well be the Rams the way that we're leaking draft picks. Right, so we've got to go. So this this is starting to really make a lot more sense, and you can start to envision a scenario where they're like, "Yeah, I guess we got to pay Jonathan Taylor." And and you know what? We're we're in, and we've been forfeiting picks and trading picks. What's what's another first rounder? So you could start you know, the Bills, the Jets. They've uh, they've improved, right? Oh, I guess we, God, I guess we got to do something here. I, we should probably go trade for Jonathan Taylor. It's rare that a a talent like Jonathan Taylor comes available, though talents like Jonathan Taylor at the running back position are going to be coming available every single year from now on. Eh, eh. I think I just talked myself into to Jonathan Taylor to Miami. If Jonathan Taylor... Okay, God, I can't believe we're doing this. Ah! Ugh, God, okay. If, 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 if... And, and yes, yes, this is what it was. Yes, I got this right. I had to think it through. But that's right. Flores was asked to tank so they could get Burrow. He was incentivized to win games. They were trying to compensate him to win games, and he was offended, as he should be. Jesus Christ. CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines. <laughs> <Isn't> that... <laughs> carnival. It's just you can't make it up. You can't. You. It's a carnival. You can't make it up. And they're, 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 I guess. A little less than a coin flip now to get Jonathan Taylor. So if Jonathan, I can't believe we're doing this. If Jonathan Taylor goes to Miami, he becomes the RB2 in Dynasty. The RB2, 3, 4, 5, all been in flux, right? Was it Brees Hall? Is it Jameer Gibbs? Is it Jonathan Taylor? You know, we have people in the stream saying, hey, it should be Saquon Barkley. It should be Christian McCaffrey. Get out of here with McCaffrey, Barkley, Eckler. They're too far past the age apex they're, they're two, at least two years past the age apex those running backs so no they're not going to be the rb2 in dynasty it, it was was between gibbs and hall then they 
The Jets bring in Dalvin Cook. Now it's clearly Gibbs. And Jonathan Taylor's like, hey, what about me? Right? Falling all the way down to the RB3 in Dynasty. And it's like, hey, if he's set up for success in that offense, where they also don't have a tight end that anyone cares about, right? Mike Gusecki's gone, and who, right? And what? And they, they don't have a number three wide receiver, right? Was it, is it Trent Sherfield? Is it Cedric Wilson? Right? We have the depth charts. We could we could pull up the depth charts. That'd be another fun depth chart to pull up as we can go to the Dolphins depth chart. We can see who they have. And I see Jason Allwine is in the chat. You'll love to see it. Oh, the chosen Robbie Anderson. Yes, chosen Anderson. But actually, the word is, the word that I've heard is, the, the beat reports and the people that have been watching practice, Braxton Berrios, Braxton Berrios, your dark horse to be the starting slot receiver in Miami. This is all good news for a potential Jonathan Taylor in Miami because he'll be getting targets and Tua is going to want to check it down. He's not he's not the 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 mobile quarterback that he was at Alabama anymore. And then you have he has plenty of speed and explosiveness to run the stretch zone offense, so he can be the most efficient runner he's ever been and catch more passes than he's ever caught because immediately Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert will slide into, you know, fringe running back duties. I would guess it would put Mostert on the roster bubble and then Jeff Wilson as just a very clean and simple breather back. And then, yes, Jonathan Taylor rockets up to number two, and he's locked in number two, the number two running back slot in Dynasty, in the Dynasty rankings. And then in seasonal leagues, he rockets right back up into the first round. And then you're going to have all these analysts start talking about the scheme, and Shanahan, and there's going to be Scheme and Shanahan, 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 and then he's going to start going ahead of Eckler, and then soon we could be in a situation where it's turn back the clock, it might as well be late August 2022, and Jonathan Taylor is the first running back off the board. I just don't see in full PPR leagues, all these high-stakes leagues at the FFPC, I can't see, I, I mean, I can see some people going all the way up and taking him at the 101. And that's crazy. And and those people don't have big portfolios because they're, they're betting against themselves. The reason why Jonathan Taylor is not going to get up to the 101 is because you have all these people that drafted Jonathan Taylor in the late first round for a while, and now the second round, and then the third round. And they're going to be betting against themselves by taking him in the top three. So his ADP will climb, and there's certainly going to be the, the lower volume high-stakes drafters that are going to thunder in and want Jonathan Taylor, and they'll be taking him in the top five. But a lot of the high-volume guys that are in a lot of these draft rooms, they're not going to want to bet against themselves with their, all their other teams where they've drafted Jonathan Taylor. So they'll want to slow play that and, and and not push him up too much. So hard to imagine Jonathan Taylor on Miami surpassing on any regular basis Jefferson and Chase, but then he's going to be in play to be the third running back second running back, then maybe first running back off the board and and actually be drafted at the 103. These are all things I can see. It's not going to be me. I'm not going to draft him there. He does not have the pass-catching history to justify being drafted there, especially in PPR leagues. When you get to standard leagues, yeah, right. Jonathan Taylor, 101. Smash it, right? Half PPR, hey, now we're having a conversation. Full PPR, get the hell out of here. With Jonathan Taylor at the 101. I can't believe we're having this. I just started. 
Like, why are people talking about this? No one was talking about Jonathan Taylor at the 101. No one, no one, except me. And now I'm talking about it, and now we're manifesting. We're manifesting in, in, into the world, and it would be very interesting also if Mike White gets any starts in Miami, how Mike White would look with those receivers in that running game could help Mike White get another contract somewhere and be a starter in the league for some extended period of time just based on the, the, the stat line he put up in Miami. So I can see all those things happening. That's, that's not all the news, though. The news that I really want to talk about, because I, I'm not going to lead with, oh, uh, or feature you know, Jonathan Taylor to Miami, maybe. Although I did, right? You got to understand. I came into this show not having a sketched out timeline of what I'm going to talk about. And I said, I'm going to you know, very briefly touch on Terry McLaurin's injury, Devon A-Chain's injury, maybe, you know, sprinkle in a little Jonathan Taylor to Miami talk. And the next thing I know, another 15 minutes have gone by just talking about it. And now this is the thing to talk about, but this is what everyone's talking about. And I don't want to be talking about the thing everyone's talking about, but I don't know if anyone's or everyone's talking about Jonathan Taylor at the 101, which is something you are going to see just because I know fantasy gamers and I know what people care about. I know the efficacy factors that drive them. And if you can just say Shanahan and Jonathan Taylor in the same sentence, 101, 101. Now, Jamie says that uh, Jamie Parag in the chat says that it should be the Chiefs going after him. And that's true right? to make up for the, the CEH mistake, but they don't have any money. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, restructure to kind of make a contract work. They're starting with less than a million dollars of cap space. So there's a lot of restructuring that would have to happen. And they've already done a lot of that restructuring. And if they were going to do extra restructuring and more restructuring, they would have done it to replace Orlando Brown. They would have done it to, to keep Orlando Brown. They would have done it to, to, to solve the, the glaring problem that they have where the Chiefs have one of, if not the worst set of tackles in the league, right? So they are, they have a great interior line, which is interesting because they don't like to run the ball. The Chiefs are fascinating in that they, they don't like to run the ball, but they have great center and guard play. Their great weakness as an organization, as a team, is the tackle position, both right and left tackle. I know that they, they, they've, they have some young players and they're, 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 they're going to be something. Right, they're gonna get something from right or left tackle, but it's it's not it's not pretty. It's not pretty. That choice it's a tough choice to make to not bring back Orlando Brown and to 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 degrade your offensive line when your whole offense is predicated on Patrick Mahomes operating healthy, upright, and having time to throw. So we we look at the Andrew Wiley, right? He absolutely Creed Humphrey. Right, these are these are good offensive linemen. I understand it. Right, Creed Humphreys. Why their interior offensive line is so good, but they bring in Jawan Taylor, thinking this is going to be a replacement to Orlando Brown. Jawan Taylor is a clear downgrade from Orlando Brown. Right, they've got Thuney, they've got Humphrey inside. That's great. Right, but on the outside, they're like, how are we going to do this? Right, Trey Smith, Andrew Wiley, Jawan Taylor. We'll see what happens. Right, we're going to see what happens with these guys. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. One of these guys could step up and 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 you know a, a Trey Smith could step up and show more than we than we were expecting. This happens every year. Think about it. Who would have possibly imagined the Falcons would have a top 5 offensive line 
going into last season, it, w- it would have been one of the most far-fetched predictions. And yet, that's what, what, that's what happened. So I am skeptical of how Kansas City is going to be able to stop opposing edge rushers. I think they're going to have to do a lot of helping with their guards coming out and helping. And we'll see how that works out. We'll see. That. I think what, what's basically going to happen is Kansas City is going to call a blitz on every single play. So every offensive lineman is going to go in with a blitz call and just drop back, drop back, and try to take all the pressure off the tackles with those interior offensive linemen. I think it's the only way to do it uh, based on the, their personnel. And I, I think it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. The Chargers offensive line getting better, getting healthier. Slater, back, right? Chiefs offensive line degrading. Uh-oh, right? We'll see what happens. Hey, well, we will we will see what happens, but it's just an interesting, it's an interesting note. Everyone can write it down. They heard it on Wake and Take that the AFC West could be decided by the changing of the guard. You see what I did there? At offensive line, where suddenly, oh, the best offensive line is no longer in Kansas City. Oh, it just became Los Angeles. So that's I mean they Los Angeles has one of the most talented offensive lines in the sport. They don't have a lot of depth, right? So they they can't withstand any injuries, but I'm not saying anything. I don't want anyone to say anything. We're going to keep this to ourselves. But the Chargers have had their healthiest offseason in my history in this business. I don't remember a time when the Chargers were heading into the season with so few injuries. Usually they have multiple catastrophic injuries in training camp and preseason, we did not see that, right? Jamari Salyer is just a beast of a guard. They've got Zion Johnson. He's going to take a big step forward this year. They already have Slater. They already have Lindsley at center. They've got the, their one-week link, Trey Pipkins. He also could take a step forward this year at right tackle. So this is uh, a lot more offensive line talk than I was expecting. A lot, a lot more. And we just we have a new offensive line analyst, Dan Fornick, and I'm going to do a top ten takeaways this weekend with Dan on this channel. Uh, just walk through the offensive lines, the, the the best ones, the worst ones, the most improved, uh, the most degraded, and uh, talk about the, the you know like in Miami, Teron Armstead losing Teron Armstead. I believe that's a huge loss early in the season. I think that that would be the one challenge that Jonathan Taylor would face. I don't think that fantasy gamers care like I care, which is, again, another reason why you can have Jonathan Taylor in the top five of fantasy drafts. If he's a Dolphin, you can take him. One of the reasons why is I'm skeptical their offensive line is going to be able to execute this stretch zone scheme at the level that they can execute it, for example, in San Francisco. So Dan Fornick and I will talk offensive line. Offensive line rankings going up on the site soon. He's got a big... State of the Union for offensive linemen and the offensive lines across all 32 teams coming out in our article section on the site soon. So Dan Fornick is a beast. It's exciting. The player in the news that I really want to talk about is Justice Hill. Now, Justice Hill just came out that he's a lock to make the roster. And these Baltimore beat reporters are talking about Justice Hill it's not about whether he's going to make the roster, guys. I think you're missing the point. Justice Hill is going to have a role in the offense. He's going to have a, a, a day one role. The question is, is he going to be the, the full-time satellite back? Is he going to be the two-minute drill back? 
Is he going to be a breather back and a satellite back and a two-minute drill back? In which case, he could outscore J.K. Dobbins. All right, think about that. Like, if that backfield is now split, it becomes a specialist backfield where you have Justice Hill in all these dynamic situations, and then you have J.K. Dobbins more of a traditional between-the-tackles runner, outside zone runner. Oh, boy, right? We've never seen J.K. Dobbins put up big numbers as a receiver. We've seen him put up big efficiency numbers as a rookie as a receiver, but never, never like a, a lot of catches. So let, we'll pull it up on Player Profiler right now. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, he, his maximum receptions so far in the NFL, 18. J.K. Dobbins has 25 catches in three years. 25 catches in three years. That's the case for, for Justice Hill. Now, that's that's partly a rhetorical trick because he missed all of 2021. <laughs> But it's still it's still a thing I said. It's a thing I said, and we should pull up Justice Hill just to remind ourselves a few things about Justice Hill. Justice Hill is explosive. He's comparable to Reggie Bush. He was prolific at Oklahoma State. Okay, He relegated Chris Carson. Chris Carson couldn't get on the field at Oklahoma State because of Justice Hill. In 2021, Justice Hill ruptured his Achilles. He was not 100% last year just like Cam Akers. So he was like Cam Akers last year. It's just that there were no expectations for Justice Hill. So when he didn't put up big numbers, like 262 yards, did have 12 catches, no one bothered to notice and care. Like, okay, yeah, that that's Justice Hill. He's a, he's a fringe guy. But if we go to his injury history, we go down here to his injury history, look at that. Look at that. The Achilles tear and then the hamstring strain in week four, has set him back. He's now healthy. He's got his full explosiveness back. This is a player that I've wished I had stashed more at the end of seasonal leagues. I have a lot of Justice Hill in Dynasty. He's just one of those truther guys that I've talked about so often. He's like the the Ashton Doolin of running backs. And I do, you know, and, and like Ashton Doolin, you know, he had a year where he's missing the whole year, right? Missed 17 games with the Achilles rupture. Ashton Doolin going to miss the whole year. With the ACL, watch Ashton Doolin beat it and come back, right, for like week week 18. That would be so Ashton Doolin for him to do that. So that's that's Justice Hill. I'm psyched for him. I made some mistakes. I've I've been drafting uh, at the FFPC. I'll show, pull up my draft board here at the FFPC. Uh, if you guys were, uh, if anyone was tuned into the GOAT district or the Deep End Invitational, I popped onto both shows a couple days ago while this draft was happening. Let's pull up the draft board. Super flex draft. I was drafting at the the 110. Started Jamar Chase, Eckler, Devontae Smith, Geno Smith, Chris Godwin, Kenny Pickett, Rashad White, Friar Muth, Sky Moore, Rashad Bateman, Baker Mayfield, Marvin Mims, Cole Komet, Jaden Reed, Chuba Hubbard, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Love that Donovan Peoples-Jones pick. This is best ball. So love getting him in, in round 16. I thought that was ridiculous value. Ty Chandler, and then this is where I really, this was the big whiff. This right here. Kareem Hunt, that should have been Justice Hill. That could have been Joshua Kelly, Evan Hull. Oh, God damn it. I was thinking about Hull. I was thinking about Joshua Kelly. I was thinking about Sean Tucker. I sh But I, I should have, I was like, I don't want to draft Joshua Kelly and bet against myself. I have Eckler. But it is the 18th round. Why not? Right? Why not? There's, there's going to be games where both Eckler and Joshua Kelly are productive. Duh. 
I was like, ah, Kareem Hunt, right? I wanted Fournette. What happened was I wanted Fournette, thought I would get Fournette. Then Fournette wasn't there. I was tilting and, and, and took Hunt, and that was a mistake. So that was the big mistake of the draft. I think that's fine that that's the big mistake of the draft. Super balanced team here, incredibly balanced team, shockingly balanced team. I rarely am this balanced. So let's talk a little bit of Superflex strategy on Discord, on a Discord, and, and they want Superflex talk. They want auction talk. So I'll give you some Superflex talk and auction talk for a moment. In Superflex, you want to be weak somewhere. And as you can see, I chose to be weak at quarterback. Now, weak at quarterback in Superflex isn't you wait a while, you wait forever. No, weak at quarterback in Superflex means you wait three rounds, which is what I did. I waited three rounds, Jamar Chase, Eckler, Devontae Smith. I'm not even a big Devontae Smith advocate. I'm not out here like, you got to draft Devontae Smith. No, but Devontae Smith's just the chalk pick there, and you you it's all about team structure, and you need wide receiver. You know, once Devontae Smith and T. Higgins are off the board, you got Jerry Judy, and then there's DK Metcalf now. DK Metcalf actually was the other guy I was considering. I was between Smith and Metcalf because of the Jackson Smith and Jigba injury. He will likely sit through their bye week, which is week five, not be back to week six. That's just the way it works. If, if they say, hey, this is the timeline, four to six weeks, well, you go straight to six weeks. It's probably six to eight weeks. That's that's the translation of what that really is. So, okay, six to eight weeks, when's that? Well, that's... Week six of the NFL season. That makes sense. And it makes even more sense given their, their bye week. So I would have gone Metcalf. It was all about the structure there. But you once you're at the, the 403, once the fourth round starts, you got to make sure you get a Daniel Jones, a Geno Smith, a Russell Wilson. You got to do it. You got to do it. And then I push my luck knowing that one of the teams here, one of the teams, Death Dealers, already had two quarterbacks. So I knew only Dwayne McFarland was at risk of drafting Kenny Pickett. But then I also talked to Dwayne McFarlane about Kenny Pickett, and I know he's not the biggest Kenny Pickett or George Pickens. He's not. He doesn't want any of the picks. No picks for, 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 for McFarlane. So I was like, okay, I know what I'm dealing with here. I can get Pickett on the way back around. In another room, in another, another, another scenario, I would have drafted Pickett at the 510. And then the debate was, do I stack Geno with Lockett or hope Lockett makes it back to me? And, of course, Lockett's not going to make it back after the, the JSN injury news. And I was like, well, I'm going to gamble either Lockett or Pickens makes it back to me. Neither one of them did. So, in hindsight, in order to get the stack with Geno, I probably would have gone Lockett over... No, I wouldn't have. I keep saying this. No, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. I keep trying... No. Chris Godwin is going to have, like, 150 targets in this offense. Mike Evans is dust. Russell Gage is out for the year. He is going to be the, the focal point of this offense. It's going to be Chris Godwin and Rashad White. Rashad White, Chris Godwin, and I have them. And then I also drafted Baker Mayfield, as you can see, at the 11-10. So I'm very happy with how the team worked out. I, I'm trying to hindsight this. I'm like, oh, well, I could have done this, could have done that. This was all predicated on late position. So if you're in Superflex, you have late position, I would say go Justin Jefferson like Billy Muzio did or go Jamar Chase like Matt Kelly did. That would be the recommendation. Theo stared at Joe Burrow and just couldn't say no, and I understand that. But typically, Joe Burrow is going to be gone by then, and Travis Kelsey is going to be available. That's where that's what Rich Rebar did. So I would either go Jefferson, Kelsey, or Chase, but I would lean Jefferson or Chase in non-tight end premium. And then another debate, another potential 
second guessing was that Austin Eckler, get, given the fact that I was able to get Rashad White at the 710, and you can look at who's available, Akers in the 10th round, Swift in the 10th round, Montgomery in the 10th round. So there's two 10th round picks I like a lot in Cam Akers and David Montgomery. Cam Akers, another year removed from the Achilles, is going to be more explosive. David Montgomery is going to be one of the best offenses. He's going to be uh, the featured back between the tackles, between the 20s, in the red zone. And I think Jameer Gibbs will be a satellite back and have a lot of value, but I think that they, they should be closer in, in drafts for sure. So knowing that, if I could go back, knowing the thirst for receiver in this format, it's start three receivers and two flex. So there's potential five receivers to start. I didn't understand how the board would process that and, and just how bullish everyone would be on wide receiver. So I failed. I failed there. Had I thought this through better, and I didn't think it through at all, I just joined the draft. Had I thought it through better, I think the move at the 203 was Amon Ross St. Brown and start Chase St. Brown Smith and then have Rashad White as my hero RB. That's what I recommend. But because I waited on quarterback, I had that luxury of not going hero RB and just going balance all the way across the board. Uh, Pickett, Geno Smith, that's, that's the worst possible quarterback duo you should have I don't advocate going any worse than that I think that's the bare minimum I think Kenny Pickett's a firewall quarterback as your QB2 in super flex if you have early draft position just go with a Josh Allen go with a, a Jalen Hurts as you can see Cody Carpentier did a hot take going with uh, Anthony Richardson just because he wanted him not because he thought he would outscore Hurts and Allen I don't think that's going to happen so if you have early draft position just go quarterback and then you know Invest in your your QB one, but then I would go right back to wide receiver in the second round. Look look at where the the receivers look where they were going. Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown. That should be your target in the second round if you have early draft position. And then feel free to go right back to receiver. Go right back to Chris Olave. Go right back to Devontae Smith. That's that's typically how it plays out for me. Early draft position. Start with my quarterback, and then wait and try to get Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett as my QB2. Or if I have a late draft position, start with receivers early and then pick up you know, two of the Goff, Smith, Wilson, Jones, Pickett. That's the move. Agree to be or no. Go into every Superflex draft knowing you're going to be weak somewhere. I was fortunate to get Pat Fryermuth where I did. If I didn't get Pat Fryermuth there, I, I would have waited and, and been weak at both tight end and quarterback, and that probably would have been less optimal. But fortunately, I was able to get the my tight the last quality tight end there in Pat Fryermuth stacked with Pickett. That was fortunate. So at tight end, the nice thing about tight end is there's three in Goddard, Fryermuth, and Evan Ingram that go all in one round. You know, in tight end premium, as you can see, you know they're, they're moved up a little bit in in Superflex. These t they're probably going to go. Round nine and non non tight end premium superflex drafts. That's where Goddard, Fryermuth, Ingram go. Goddard probably goes eighth round in those formats. Fryermuth, Ingram ninth round in those formats. Knowing that you'll get a shot at one of those three. That's what I'm doing every time. That's what I'm doing every time. And so now to talk about auction with an auction draft. See with tight end, I know that going into an auction draft. So what I do is actually nominate Goddard, see if I get him nominate Firemuth, see if I get him. And then if not, I know I can get Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is not inspiring to anybody. So you know you can get Ingram. That's the that's 
the, the firewall, especially in auctions, at tight end is Evan Ingram for sure. You can see George Kittle in this draft, by the way. George Kittle went at the 712. A lot of people are starting to process the touch squeeze and the, the target squeeze that George Kittle is going to be suffering this year. So that, that's a bummer for him. But I, I understand why the, the ADP slide is on. In Superflex auctions, I'm going to be paying up for quarterback, but not one of the super elites. Try to get Hurts, right? You're probably not going to get Mahomes or Allen. Try to get Hurts. If you can't get Hurts, try to get Lamar Jackson and then stack him. You can easily do the Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers, Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman stacks in uh, auction drafts. But don't be a hero. A lot of times these big seven quarterbacks – and I, I include Anthony Richardson in that now, or, or Justin Fields. One of them usually gets steamed up in an auction draft. There's at least six. Like, we know the big six of Hertz, Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, Herbert, Burrow. They're going to get steamed up in these auction formats. And you could try to get them. You can see if you can get, you know, some lull for at, at some point early in the draft and secure one of them, but it's going to be unlikely. You're probably going to get outbid. So I would start bidding on Dak Prescott, Cousins, Watson, Geno, Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, Kenny Pickett. Just keep firing those bullets at those guys. Avoid Tua, avoid Aaron Rodgers. Trevor Lawrence, probably too expensive in auction drafts. But Dak Prescott, man. Dak Prescott's going to be epic. Dak Prescott in 2020 averaged close to 29 fantasy points per game. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to have three consecutive 450 yard games. <laughs> I mean, did I just say that? Yeah, it's crazy. He's going to, he's, then he's got a, a wide receiver upgrade in Brandon Cooks. So Dak Prescott is a, is a fantastic target in auction drafts in particular because, again, there's just not, it's been years since he did that. So there isn't the passion to go get Dak in an auction. So Dak's my number one target in auction. And then you've got Geno. Pickett, Wilson, those are the quarterbacks I'm most likely to close out and win at auction. And it's it's agreeing to be just good at quarterback, but not great in an auction. I'm almost always going to control the my team build. That's the beauty of auction. You can control your team build in a way you cannot control your team build in a snake draft format and go zero RB or like a, a fringe hero RB, like a Rashad White, like a Javante Williams. Those are going to be the, my, my hero RBs in auction. You know you can let all these other running backs go off the board. Let Barkley go. Let Henry go. Let Mixon go. Let all these guys go. Bijan, all those guys. Let all the money get spent on those guys. Dabble a little bit on ETN. See if you can get ETN at, at, a, at a discount. Dabble on Pollard, but you're probably not going to get him. In an auction, probably have to let those guys all go and then focus on Rashad White, focus on Javante Williams, David Montgomery, Cam Akers, Isaiah Pacheco, Antonio Gibson, Dalvin Cook. Those would be the the, the, the running backs I'm really targeting. I think Dalvin Cook's a great value right now at auction. Pacheco's a great value. He's been hurt throughout training camp. And there's whispers about you know Kansas City maybe bringing in a running back. So that's, again, it's suppressing Pacheco, Gibson now. Going to get more opportunities early in the season without McLaurin. David Montgomery's an incredible value at auction. So you could you could get just a, you could lock in a couple of these traditionally like seven to 
10th round picks and get two of them at auction. So you're again, you're you're going into Superflex and in this case an auction draft knowing you're going to be weak at running back. That's going to be what I would that would be my plan. And then knowing you're going to get one of those three tight ends we talked about between Goddard and Fryermuth Ingram and all the rest of that money needs to be distributed to elite receivers. Try to get three of the top 10 receivers. That would be that's the that's the ultimate goal. If you can end if you could end up with AJ Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown and Stephon Diggs, that is a win. That's what I'm trying to do. Typically I'm going to get outbid on Jefferson, I'm going to be outbid on Chase, but then I'm going to end up closing out and getting Diggs, getting St. Brown, getting AJ Brown, getting an Olave. I'd be very I'd be thrilled if my if my receivers were Stephon Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Olave in an auction, and then I got great value on Dak and and Pickett at quarterback, and then great value on a on a Fryermuth, great value on a Rashad White, on an Isaiah Pacheco. I think that's a win. That that's that's a that's a highly competitive auction roster right there. And and the beauty is it doesn't matter where your draft position is. You can just go in with this plan that, hey, I'm going to be weak in these positions, in these places. Certainly not going to let crazy values get by you. Certainly, like I said, dabble. See if you can get Pollard. See if you can get ETN. You know, see if you can get Lamar Jackson. But if you can't, you have this, this, this plan in place to kill your auction draft. And you're welcome.